Everyone needs to know about these dividends. It's passive income. Imagine if I have enough money where I don't have to work in a bar and stand up until three o'clock in the morning. I want to be able to show people how to do this, which means becoming a financial planner. And I'm passionate about helping people eradicate the stress in their lives. Like if we can just remove financial stress or reduce it, it makes a massive shift and improvement in our lives. And that's what I'm really passionate about. You know, it's not about burying your head in the sand and living a fake life and fake it till you make it. It's about doing that uncomfortable work to see what you've negative programs are there and, and removing them and shifting them and keeping there what serves you and and then seeing how that impacts your thoughts and when you change your thoughts your feelings immediately shift you're stronger more confident more resilient and it then organically flows out in your action just come up with a thousand dollars however you possibly can the moment you have that one thousand dollars go and invest it my goal is to build a long-term growing passive income stream from my portfolio i was a single mom on a tight tight budget i just repeated that process as soon as i had a thousand dollars saved up invested as soon as i had a thousand invested it. Today, even with the market pullback, it's worth over 230 something thousand dollars. And I've built that literally $1,000 at a time. I am Canna Campbell and this is Life, Money and Love. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. All right, we have an absolute legend today, Connor Campbell, founder of Sugar Mama TV, uh, best-selling author, a couple of awesome books we were just chatting about off air, The Thousand Dollar Project and Mindful Money, um, the financial plan of almost 19 years, so a lot of experience in a lot of different markets, a lot of different things happening. So I'm excited to talk about your world, finance, investing, but I want to dig a little bit deeper kind of on a couple of things like the mindset behind a lot of what you do and um, obviously your journey, how you got to where you are today because it's never – the more conversations I've had, it's never really a straight path for anyone. So I'm really interested. But first of all, thank you for coming in and giving us your time. Thank you for inviting me. I love talking about money and beyond like, you know, the, the squares. Mm. So obviously it's important to talk about superannuation investing and the share market, but it's also great to be able and so refreshing to be able to talk about mindset because I believe it starts with the mindset first. It's exactly the same for me with business. Whenever I have conversations, whether it be about like a lot of people in my industry, kind of where I started was e-com and everyone's just like money, 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 but they don't realize that the foundation to success in or growth in any area of life is within. And then yeah. the mindset there, like only you need to first work on and get those changes in, in mindset and perspective before you can really build things. Uh, I, I'm of the belief. So I want to talk about all that and we'll get into that a lot. I want to really talk to you about manifestation, which we were kind of nerding out for just a couple of minutes before we started but to start off, where I want to go to is obviously get to know a little bit of you and, and how all this started. Now, I imagine to become a financial planner, you would have had to, to go to university first. Was, was finance from school always what you wanted to do? Did you know it was finance for you? And how did all that start off? It, it didn't just kind of always be ingrained in my system. I was brought up in a household where money was respected. My parents worked very hard, but they also had a very balanced approach to money. And we spoke about money in a very empowered way. So I was very blessed and fortunate to have that upbringing where I understood sacrifices, the importance of goals about passive income. And also for me, I've always really valued the fact that money helps reduce stress in our lives. So it doesn't put as much pressure on relationships. You have more money to focus on great health and be able to afford high quality produce and be able to take the career of your dreams because it is in your dream, not because of it pays this amount of money to live this lifestyle. So I've really respected that part of my journey. But for me, my aha moment was when I actually was at university. I went and did, I did it for a year of Bachelor of Economics in Agricultural um, economics and I failed everything my first year. I was really depressed. I hated the course. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I felt very lost and I was really struggling. I was in a dark place. So I managed to get myself out of Sydney University, transfer to a private college and then transfer to Macquarie University. And I really reinvented myself. I started taking university seriously, worked really hard, but I, but I struggled at university. I still hated it, but I worked really hard to get through. And look, I think I got a P average, to be honest, um, definitely no HDs. Um, but you know what? It got me my degree. And whilst I was at university, I also worked two jobs. So I worked at a computer company selling software over the phone and I was really good at it. And then I also worked at Greenwood Plaza in North Sydney. And I would work at uh, the Sunday shift and they had sounds on Sunday, which I think still goes, but I would work long shifts. I'd work time and a half because it was Sunday 
you know, until one o'clock in the morning and I'd earn really good tips and I'd throw my tips into this, into my uh, bedside table every time I came home. And before I knew it, a lot of money had added up because I'd come home, you know, stinking of cigarettes and chewing gum and filthy and sticky and dirty. And I just kind of put them in the drawer, jump in the shower and go straight to bed. Anyway, the money was starting to pile up in this drawer. So I took it to my bank and it was all five and $10 denominations and took it to the bank, got it converted into larger notes, $100 notes. And this was before the Privacy Act and this actually was a red flag for uh, drug money. I didn't know this at the time. So when I took the cash in, it was all sticky and stank of cigarettes. <laughs> it was just foul. Anyway, converted into $100. It was quite a lot of money. And the bank teller looked at me and said, can I have your driver's license? I just need to take a copy of it. And I didn't think anything of it, so I gave her my license, went back home with my cash, put it back in my bedside drawer because it was literally overflowing. So now it wasn't because it was in $100 notes. Anyway, that afternoon my father came home. He's like, where are you? I was like, oh, God, I'm in trouble. He's like, I heard from the bank you have a large amount of money in cash. Where did that come from and what are you doing with it? And I was quite shocked. So what had happened is the bank, the local bank that I went to was actually not my bank, but I just went there to quickly change the notes over. I wasn't depositing the money because what did I know what to do with that money? And she had, she knew my father and she told him and before the privacy act. So, and it turned out because it was over a certain amount, it was, it signaled to the bank that was drug money. Obviously it wasn't, it was just <laughs> tips. I promise you I'm not a drug dealer. But um, he was furious because, like, number one, how do you have that much money? I was like, well, it's my tips. Like, I've been working in this many years. I just come home shattered. And he's, the second thing is, like, well, that money's not insured. If we get robbed, that money's gone. And then, and then the third biggest thing is, why is that money sitting in your bedside table? It should be invested. So the next day, he went with me to the bank. We took the cash. We banked, deposited it into my bank account. And it was invested shortly after. And I got my first dividend check and I didn't really understand what it was. I was like, what is this piece of paper? And my father was like, it's a dividend. It's, it's yours. Um, it's your money working for you. And I, I was like, yeah, but I didn't physically do anything. Like I got money for nothing. It didn't feel right. And he explained to me what it was. And I decided, you know what? This is amazing. Everyone needs to know about these dividends, this passive income. Imagine if I have enough money where I don't have to work in a bar and stand up until three o'clock in the morning and be spat over as people like slur their words all over me. And it was really empowering. That was my biggest aha moment. I was like, I want to be able to show people how to do this, which means becoming a financial planner. And I'm really passionate about not necessarily making people rich and wealthy. I'm passionate about helping people eradicate the stress in their lives. Like the world's expensive. The world's stressful. We have huge pressure, huge responsibilities. It's always changing and evolving. It's hard to keep up with the world. Can, if we can just remove financial stress or reduce it, it makes a massive shift and improvement in our lives. And that's what I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Like, like you said, I, I reflected when you were talking about your upbringing, something like I grew up like lower middle class. So I always understood the value of money, but I was never around I didn't hear of anyone investing money. I didn't know about, well, obviously I knew about them. Like you learn about them in school, but I didn't know anyone really investing. And it's like, once you start opening, and it was the same for me with business. Once you start seeing people around you and getting open to the world of investing and finance and business, it really does change your whole perception of the world and, and how you can build the life that you really enjoy. It's not about just like you said, slaving over doing a job that you don't necessarily like just because it's going to give you the best money. Because a lot of people, me too, growing up, like in, I grew up in the suburbs of Southwest Sydney, got like public school education. A lot of people don't know this. So it's really important that like there are people that share this because with today's day and age technology, social media, it's a lot more accessible for people to learn this sort of stuff. Yeah. The first question on that, I'm just curious, do you remember what investments it was at the start? What type of um, investments you did? Absolutely. It was a property trust that I invested in. So technically it wasn't dividends as such, but it yep. was paid as a dividend. So it was the equivalent of rent uh, paid through a commercial property trust. And from that part, it inspired you to then, okay, I want to show other people this, got into financial planning. How long were you in that space before you started Sugar Mama? Well, I worked for various institutions, including a big bank and then one of my biggest clients uh, within the bank said to me, what are you doing working for the bank? You need to go out on your own and do your own practice. And if you do this, I will walk with you. And all my clients walked with me. It was quite incredible. So I set up my own practice, SAS Financial, 
and about three months before the GFC. And so one of, I walked into one of the hardest times <laughs> oh. in financial history of my life probably, but every single client walked with me and I ran my financial planning practice and Sugar Mama was launched as a way of giving back. So I never launched Sugar Mama to make money. I wanted to give back to people I realized that were really struggling. You see, I was looking after a lot of high net worth clients, which was great. And they are the most amazing people. But one of my clients is actually Chloe Morello, who is a huge beauty blogger. Yep. I w- and so Chloe came to me in a mess and she, I talk, couldn't talk about this openly because she's got podcasts and <laughs> videos with her own story of what happened, but I helped her a lot. And she said to me, you need to help other people because you, she's, like, she's actually quite funny. She's like, I'd be going to jail if it wasn't for you. Yeah. And I mean, she wasn't, or she wasn't doing anything illegal, but I had to show her like, okay, this is how you would do a budget. This is why you need to invest. This is why you need to have backup passive income streams so that you can afford to retire. You can afford to buy a beautiful home, have all the things that you want in life. So anyway, she really, I'd been thinking about it, but she gave me that massive push and really supported me. So I'm eternally grateful for her. So Sugar Mama launched in, well, I think it was, would have been about 2014 and it just exploded and went from strength to strength. And I was doing stuff on channel nine. I was, I wrote the thousand dollar project. I was just content creation on steroids, but it was just about giving back and fixing the black hole in financial literacy because it's not taught in any school system, not even taught in university. You know, you teach, someone does an accounting degree, they know how to read a P&L statement, balance sheet, and set all the tax laws. Tell them how to save up for an investment property, how to uh, pay a credit card off properly, how to manage their cash flow. They don't know how to do it. And it makes sense because a lot of my high net worth clients were actually CEOs, CFOs, MDs. You know, they are incredible entrepreneurs, but they didn't know how to do their personal finances because it was never taught in school. And that's where I came in. Yeah, that's what I want to ask you about as well because I, as I said, I came from not a, not a whole lot of money, made some money with business. And my instinct, like, because I didn't have a lot of financial literacy, like, properly trained, I, I went to uni, similar experience. I was going to do a double degree of law and, and, um, law and business, but I hated it so much. I was so depressed. That's when I realized that, Hey, life isn't about trading all your time doing something you hate just because, you know, it's the traditional way or you can make good money. Um, so my, I'm still very early in my like investing life career. So I'm still very much asking these questions and someone wanting to learn. My instinct was like, okay, I'm just, I just like, do, so, do something well with business, save the money, um, buy a property. And then I've got heaps of cash in the bank and I'll start another business. But where, with people, where do you start when you're investing? Obviously you don't want to start with something super high risk at the start. Where does someone start? That's like maybe been working that they're in their late twenties. They've been working. They got probably more money in their bank than, than they should just doing nothing for them. Where, where, where can people start to actually invest that money? Like you said, make your money work for you. It all depends on what's important to you. So think about your financial goals first and also how much time do you have? Obviously, the the earlier you start, the better and the more time you can give this to flourish and grow and let compounding interest work its magic, the better. But it really comes down to doing a risk profile and then looking at your risk profile and say you come out as a high growth investor, you can then start building an investment portfolio based upon what the recommendations is of a, mm-hmm. of a high growth portfolio. And look there, you don't need to start with, you know, a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. You can start using those micro investing platforms and then grow from there. So I was saying to someone, and actually I was talking to Bianca Dye the other day from um, the radio station. And I was saying to her, you can literally start with $5 a day if you want, but don't stay on $5 a day. Next week, try and bump it up to $6 a day. And then the following month, try and bump it up to $10 a day. Look at just start and look to grow as much as you can and as quickly as you can. And you really do then take back that lifestyle creep that often happens when we earn more money. And then a couple of months later, we're like, I got a $20,000 pay rise and I'm still running out of money before the end of the payday. So the $1,000 project is actually my baby. Um, and it's not a baby portfolio by any means at all, because I showed people the importance of starting with $1,000. And just come up with $1,000, however you possibly can. And the moment you had that $1,000, go and invest it. Now, I am a high growth investor, so I just put it into blue chip Australian shares. Very boring, but it worked for me and my goals. So it's not product advice or strategic advice for anyone, but that's where I started because I did my research. 
understood what the time that I wanted to take and what my goal was. And my goal is to build a long-term growing passive income stream from my portfolio. So did the invested a thousand dollars and then went back to the same side hustles, the same strategies of doing a budget, looking where I could save money, but more importantly, looking where I could earn more money. What could I declutter from my home and sell to the circular economy? What extra side hustles on the weekend could I do? Uh, could I maybe cancel this subscription and save money there? So I literally looked outside of the box and did whatever I possibly could. I rented my house out on Airbnb. I did all these crazy things. And I was a single mom at the time. I had a mortgage. I had just freshly gotten uh, separated. So I had all those costs. I had also taken on a huge mortgage to to pay my way out of my previous marriage. Uh, so it was not like I'm like, oh, well, you were living in a house and you had all this cash flow. That was far from the case. I was I was a single mom on a tight, tight budget. And um, I just repeated that process. As soon as I had $1,000 saved up, invested it. As soon as I had $1,000, invested it. Today, even with the market pullback, and there is a $47,000 margin loan included in this, uh, just for transparency, and it's worth over $230-something thousand dollars. And I've built that literally $1,000 at a time. And I've, yes, I have reinvested the dividends, but I've taken out the equivalent every year of those dividends and given them to that, those dividends to charity. Wow. So from a $1,000 starting point, you've been able to build over $230,000 portfolio. Part of that and something I see you speak about, and this is something, again, a lot of people listening to this podcast have businesses, but I know for a fact that a lot of people aren't investing properly because a lot of people in, in my generation that have made money, it's all been over the internet. A lot of them has been over the internet. So they don't necessarily have like, they didn't work their way up. They didn't get necessarily uni degrees or anything to understand how it works. But how do you then, once you, your portfolio is starting to grow and you're having a little bit of success, what are the different types of categories? And I know this is general and none of this is financial advice, but what are some of the different categories that you can look to diversify your portfolio? There are so many different categories, literally. That is, I mean, we could sit here all day. But look, you know, there's obviously the high growth, high risk asset classes, such as Australian shares, international shares, and property. And then even within property, there is residential property. Then there's commercial property. There's industrial property. There are lots of different things. And then obviously you can go into fixed interests, such as your bonds. And then there's cash, which can be an element of fixed interest. But then you've also got crypto and, you know, the, it just goes on and on and on. And and then there's venture capitalists as well, which is a whole other league. So some people want a little bit of everything. And that's why I say do a risk profile because it will actually give you a formula where you go, all right, you are a high growth investor. So therefore you should be having 45% of your money in the Australian share market, 35 in international and the remaining matter here, here and here. So that's a great guide. If you want to understand you're not investing out of your risk profile because there are the problem with financial influencers and they're people who are giving advice innocently, not knowing what they don't know is they'll be talking about their investments, but they don't realize actually you were taking huge amounts of risk in your portfolio. It's not diversified. And that portfolio structure is for someone who's got a 10 year investment timeframe. So if you are someone who's got money and wants to invest it, but you also are thinking that money is going to be buying a, my first property in five years you would be stupid to go and invest it because of the volatility and the high risk involved. You know, the type of investing I'm talking about is long-term growing passive income creation. It's for 10, 15, 20 years, if not indefinitely. And my goal for the $1,000 project is to build up a passive income over the time that is exceeding $80,000 a year because there've been all these scientific studies into what is the optimal income for someone to, to earn without stress and pressure. And it's around about depending on what country you live in, seventy to $80,000 a year. And um, what I wanted to ask with that, with the investing, because exactly like you said, you don't have to wait till you have a lot of money in the bank. You can start really start. early on. <laughs> Just start. Now, something that I found really interesting and I think refreshing about you compared to a lot of other people in the financial space, the way you approach all of this is in a much more holistic, mindful way. Tell me what, what, what is doing, what is, you know, holistic money mindset and, 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 and your approach. And why do you think it's so important that people take on that mindset when looking at, you know, investments and building the life that they're really excited about? It's so important. If you're really serious about this, you need to do the inner work first. As you said, it starts internally. So really spending some time before you begin to go, all right, what messed up toxic self-limiting beliefs were innocently and accidentally 
or maybe even intentionally programmed in me that I need to get rid of that do not serve me in my journey and the true, authentic, high value way I really want to live my life. So perhaps you grew up with, you know, in a family where your parents used to fight about money. So you can use that awareness to actually drive you to greater success. So you you take that, accept it, understand it, and use it to a way to serve you. So you go, all right, I'm never going to let money destroy my relationship with my partner. I'm going to use money to create harmony in my life because that happened to me as a child and I really, it really impacted me and affected, affected, um, impacted me and affected me um, as well as infected perhaps. Another great example is maybe you grew up with a parent that maybe gambled and you saw lots of money come and go. Again, you use that as to, you flip it and go, what is it that I'm craving behind that tragedy or that trauma? Okay, it's stability and security, peace of mind. That's what you then use that awareness to drive that what you want in your life. It's about releasing, letting go of anything that hurt you, is going to hold you back and allow you to really flourish. It's really pulling out all the toxic weeds so that we're going to plant this seed, this goal. You're planting in really fertile soil where it can start growing deeply so the roots are really strong and you understand the sunlight, the fertile soil, the rain, the fact you need to protect from the elements and pests and weeds going forward so that you're really resilient because there are going to be times where your cage gets rattled. There are going to be times in your life where there's another GFC, there's a property market crash, interest rates are rising, cost of living is going through the roof. That's going to happen. That's not unavoidable. No one's immune from that. But if you can really understand what you're about and get rid of those, uh, you know, the noises in your head that are holding you back and trying to stop you from achieving greatness, you are have, going to have far greater success and it's going to happen far quicker and the growth will be so much more profound in your life. And that's really what I'm about is that awareness and flipping the switch on it so that you do things differently for yourself and you break the trauma, you break the pattern, you stop repeating history and you lead a life, you know, that's inspiring and, you know, an example for others to follow along. I'm interested. I want to know your perspective because I hear different opinions from, from, from everyone about this. When it comes to your um, relationship with money or, or your mindset around money, there's, there's two kinds of schools of thought that I see. There, there's some people that like say, look, if, if you want to be successful, like you, you got to let, like if you want to attract money, money has to uh, flow in and out of you freely, not overthink it because if you overthink things and, and you put all this negative, I need to be really tight with my money. A lot of people, and this is kind of connected to the manifesting and the law of attraction thing we were speaking about earlier. It's like if you have this overconsciousness on money and this kind of stress develops about money, it can actually, some people say, or some people believe that it can actually um, repel money. Repel money, mm. right? Where's your, where do you sit on that verse? No, you have to be really, um, like, really understand your money, like, dot, dot your I's, cross your T's, be really aware, budget everything really clearly and concisely. Obviously, where do you sit on that spectrum? Okay. Look, I agree. If you know, money magnifies what's already within you. So you have to be really careful when you, if you want to go down this path and go, all right, that's why I say do the internal work first. Cause you're just going to magnify your, if you're nervous with money or you're greedy with money or frugal with money and tight with money, when you get money, guess what? It's not like that's going to evaporate. You're going to be tighter. You're going to be more protective of your money. You're going to be, you know, more restrictive and controlling. So that's not going to serve you. That's why you need to do this work first. Where I sit is towards the, I agree, money is is energy. It, uh, if you are aggressive and chasing and controlling it, you are going, you can repel it. But I, I use the analogy of a butterfly. Butterflies are beautiful. They're amazing. We like, most people like butterflies. They come in all sorts of different colors and forms and varieties. But if you want a butterfly to come and land on you, or be around you, you need to learn to be calm and sit still and create the energy and ambience around you where the butterfly is attracted to you. Money and the flow of money is very, very similar. However, I'm a financial planner. I understand the taxes, the laws, the regulations, the loopholes, the maths, the fees, the figures, the projections. You can't just meditate and like, you know, there's a million dollars in your bank account. You've got to get out there and hustle. So 
you've got to come up with business ideas. You've got to make those phone calls. You've got to organize those meetings. You've got to draw out those plans. You've got to test things out. You've got to get feedback. You're going to have to have, to have uncomfortable conversations with certain people. You ha- it, it's, it's a combination of being responsible and stepping up and being accountable and setting intelligent goals, but also having faith, confidence in yourself, trusting the process and being open to the flow of money. It's it's a very tricky balancing act. I, I know for me personally, I've found that honestly, and this is probably horrible advice and you can tell me, <laughs> the times I've found that myself and my businesses have, have made the most money is when I'm not thinking about it. You know what I mean? And I, I, I get that I'm in a bit of a privileged situation that I had to get to a bit of a platform before I could do that. But if I ever start spending too much time with uh, accountants or finance managers and I start stressing, I'm like, oh, the margins and looking at all that sort of stuff. I genuinely feel that it starts to creep in and it does become a little bit of too much of, too conscious of it in a negative way. And I feel like sometimes I just really need to step out of that, shake it off and make myself realize, look, it's okay. All these things I'm stressing about are so small in the grand scheme of things. And if I can forget about that and just put my work and energy towards building whatever I'm building, I found that that works best for me. Again, I've got, that's not advice to anyone else, (laughs) but that's what's worked for me. Yeah. So that's the law of least effort. Okay. You're in a flow where the more you, the less you do, the more you attract. And that's definitely something I get, have experienced in my life as well. The, 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 when I pull back a bit, I create a shift in the energy and all of a sudden I've got this mm-hmm. new business inquiries and, you know, opportunities start like flowing in big time. But you've also got to learn, you, you probably without even knowing it, have these funny little triggers in your life that create those movements to allow that to flow into you. And the other thing that I think potentially might be happening for you is you following your true passion, which is stepping back from the business and doing what your creative heart yearns for, is also probably having a flow-on effect that's bringing those opportunities back into you. You just think it's you not doing work yeah. because you're so passionately connected to what you are doing. 100%. And I, and I think there was a little bit in the early days of business, a little bit of ignorance is bliss for me. Oh, I didn't really yeah. understand everything and I still don't. I'm very lucky that our financial, our finance manager, my older cousin, who's like, really experienced with like massive corporates and and everything. So he's been able to help me a lot, but what I did learn and and I needed to learn these lessons from him, but he was, he's like very intelligent, smarter than me for sure, but he's like very risk adverse. And like I spent a lot of time with him and he taught me a lot of things, but I found that doing that, although it was really important lessons for me to learn, sometimes knowing it and understanding it is one thing, but not letting it take over everything I do and think about. That was kind of the trickiness for me. Um, but we're just kind of speaking about everything that's linked now kind of links into this whole manifesting this money mindset. Now we're obviously coming towards the end of the March, but this principle, what we're going to talk about manifesting March, you can do it any time in your life, any month. Talk to me about what, um, your manifesting March is and how it works, uh, and the principles behind it. So manifesting March was built out of this, well, it's an annual financial challenge, but it was bought, born, <coughs> sorry, it was born out of the prince. It was born out of the challenge of frugal February. So every year on for the thousand dollar project, I do this annual challenge called Frugal February, and basically I'm the world's biggest Titus for <laughs> you know 28 days, and I you know take my lunch to work every day. I don't get a coffee from a cafe. I pause my gym membership. I look at my bills. I call up all my utility providers and ask them for a discount or ask them if there's a better plan I can go on. I I just turn no stone. I. Turn no, turn every stone over. What's yeah, whatever, whatever yeah, saying? Everyone knows what you mean. Um, anyway, it, it is actually really against my principles because I'm not a frugal person. I'm a mindful person with money. And it makes me very frustrated and angry. It brings out a bit of an inner bitch and I become very short fused. Anyway, one year, it just literally came out of nowhere. I was like, I'm actually about hustling, manifesting. I need to actually create an annual challenge off the back of frugal February to make people realize and see how powerful manifestation is. And so people can see the contrast between the two frugal February and how much money I save and then see how much money I create from manifesting March. And I think I'm maybe six or seven years now doing manifesting March and it's freaky what happens during manifesting March. I have the most incredible business opportunities that given me. I have, I mean, my podcast with how do they afford that, which is with guys from fear and greed, which one of Australia's Australia's number one business podcasters, they were the ones that reached out to me 
literally last year in Manifesting March going, we want to work with you. And I was like, go away. I really <laughs> don't want to. I can't. I'm too time poor. Are you serious? It's been the big, one of the best things it's that's ever happened it, to right? me. Yeah. It's, we got to number two um, the beginning of the year on educational podcasts. We beat Jordan Peterson. And the podcast only launched in October last Wild. year, which is freaky. And it's been, I mean, the, the guys that I'm business with from Fear and Greed are the most amazing, down-to-earth, kind, under, like incredible men that I, I'm in business with. I'm so incredibly grateful. I have had like huge jobs come through. Um, I had a book deal that fell through for the $1,000 project um, and I had it got, got cancelled because I got told that, there was no space in the market, the book market for more financial literacy books. They, in the month of March, they got into a bidding war over me, like massive international publishing houses, got into a bidding war for me for the $1,000 project book. Um, even this year, I guess who I'm interviewing tomorrow? Tell me. Gabby Bernstein. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I manifested that. I, I had someone at the beginning of the year message me and said to me, I have a feeling you're going to interview Gabby Bernstein. And I was like, oh, that would be really cool. And then about a month later, I was like, I need to manifest that. And then all of a sudden she was coming to Australia. And then all of a sudden I somehow managed to be in contact with someone from her team and I literally got closer and closer up the food chain. And I'm interviewing her at 7.15 tomorrow morning. Wow. Uh, I've had you know, one of a really old friend of mine who I hadn't been in touch with for literally like 20 years reached out of the blue and he's someone who's incredibly successful and made an absolute fortune with his previous successes. He's like, Kanza, I need to talk to you. I've got this business idea. Can you meet me for coffee? And I met him for coffee. He's like, I had this incredible business idea. And I was like, he's like, can you do this with me? I want you on board to help me get this to launch. And I worked with him and his team, which was incredible for like nine, 10 months. It was, again, like this all happened out of manifesting much every year. The, like I, uh, the results just magnify and I up the ante and this year has been absolutely incredible with things that have happened. And the more I've let go and, and I've let go of the small stuff, the bigger stuff has flown in. It's, it's weird. It's so hard though, because we all get in our own way own way so much with, with everything we've just been talking about with the, I want to understand all this stuff. So I'm financially literate, but then you, I don't want to overcomplicate things with manifesting the biggest thing. And like, I know you lose some people when you say the word manifesting, yeah, it's so silly, yeah. like whatever you want to call it, law of attraction. I visualize a lot for, for my Same. manifesting. I'm really big into that. And it's like, for me, it started just out of thinking about and really experiencing the things that I want and love about life. And then I realized they started coming back to me, but it's about the hardest thing is what the word you just said, letting go. Surrender. How do you, if someone's going to do this, they're going to do a manifesting month themselves. How does it work? What do you have to do at the start of the month? Do you set your intention on something you really want? And then tell me, tell me the process for someone that wants to give it a go. Look, there are lots of different ways of doing manifestation work, but for manifesting much, because it's just a short burst, I recommend you have, <laughs> it was the worst cough ever. Um, I lost my voice a couple of weeks ago and it just gave me this cough. If someone's doing manifesting March, because it's a short burst, I recommend you just have one or two goals. So, you, I, for example, last year I wanted to manifest $10,000. So I just focused on that $10,000 and I did visualization. I listened to affirmations. I did journaling. I did a lot of gratitude work. I really looked at what I needed to be and do to attract that. And I really surrendered to the process, but I, when I say surrendered, I opened myself up to the limitless opportunities around me. So I said, opened and accepted everything with an open heart. So if someone called me and said, Hey, I've got a $50 market research job for you. Yes, I'll do it. But then because I was so open and saying yes to everything, I had then the $5,000 job come through. And then I found something that I realized I didn't need anymore that I could sell on Gumtree for $500. It just opened up this this floodgate and there was this huge shift and breakthrough and it was literally so incredibly powerful, this like flow of money and abundance and prosperity. But I also really focus on not just the money. The money is great, don't get me wrong, but I also open up myself to the excitement of the journey. Like what am I going to learn from this? What am I going to gain? Like what wisdom am I going to find? What lessons do I need to learn here? And that's I think for me is where the great richness comes from doing manifestation work because I learned so much about myself and that serves me from a longer term basis. And manifesting much is great. But for me also, I've learned and realized this year from doing it as I come to the end of it is 
I'm in it for the long run. It's great to do as a burst, but I don't want to do as a burst anymore to, to help me get through a block or achieve a particular goal. I want it in my life long term. And that's what I'm really doing is building the blocks. And I'm actually launching my own manifestation program next month where I do this coaching and I have a workbook and a video program where people can watch me and I show them how to do this work for themselves on a regular basis and build that long-term ritual so that you can go through your own journey because it's, there's just so much behind it. It's, it's not a matter of just visualizing this is you can do so many different things and it, things work for different people in different ways. Yeah. And that's a hundred percent. It is, it is individual to a lot of people, but a lot of people don't know where to start. So they do need guidance, but mm. even just hearing you saying it, and I'm a massive believer in the law of attraction. It's like when you try and explain, you can't explain how it works exactly or why it works. Like there's the whole energetic thing, the energetic pull of the unit, you, you need to be what, and what you attract. But it's also, if you visualize yourself uh, behaving in the way that, um, the person would behave that gets these sorts of opportunities that earns this amount of money. You actually are then in turn affecting your own behavior. So it's almost like almost you're tricking yourself into, into showing up like that, but it's never, there's one, there's no answer. For, if you've got someone who's like not a believer in it, you can't really explain it in a way to, to make them believe it, but you just need to try it. And everyone that tries and really commits to it. The results are so unbelievable. Honestly, it's like the way I speak about my belief in, in the law of attraction is the way that people would like explain their belief in a religion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I just know for a fact because I've, I've done it and it's completely changed my life, but it's hard to give that to, to other people, but I can't recommend more finding a way to find your flow with that. Um, guys, girls, obviously it's pretty split listenership, but guys as well, manifesting, I know it's a bit of a buzzword, mainly in female circles. It's for guys as well. Just think about you, it's such a powerful tool to, to, to yeah. craft the life that you want. So when I say my partner, Tom, um, he's an equine physio. He grew up in the bush. He is like a true blue, like Aussie guy. <laughs> like, and I talked to him about manifestation and it's funny. I'll tell you something really weird. We've got, we're trying to sell Tom's apartment at the moment and Every time we've gone to sell it, we've had weird stuff happen. So tenants refused to move out. Uh, we had the apartment suddenly gone into a legal dispute, so we couldn't sell it. And like, it was just block after block after block. And then it's on the market finally, and we can't get a single offer. But this is an incredible apartment, like Bondi Beach views, pen, like, bo- yeah. like boys, like, like I always say penthouse, but boys like den, like it's dream just, Bondi it, it's pad. dream yeah. Bondi pad. We dropped the price 30% and still cannot get a single offer. And it's like it's jinxed. Anyway, Tom and I were like, this is weird. Something's going on. So he said, look, let's go for a walk together. And I was like, Tom, it's like there's a higher power that's telling us not to sell this apartment and stopping it from happening. And we're not, we're not to do this. It's got like there's something, there's something behind this. And he was like, oh, can we just shut up with your manifesting <laughs> bullshit? And, and literally then 10 seconds passed, he was like, you are right though. There's a message here. It's like we're being told we can't, we shouldn't sell the apartment. We need to hold onto it for the kids. And I was I'm like, you, that's exactly what I'm saying. But we're just saying in different ways. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, any top sports athlete does visualization manifestation work. They just don't call it visual manifestation. A soccer player visualizes kicking that goal. A, a neurosurgeon visualizes and practices in his head, all right, this is how I'm going to get the tumor out of this person's brain and save their lives. Uh, you know, a, um, a barrister will think about and practice in their head and, and give themselves a good peck talk before they go to the, the courtroom and, you know, put their case forward and do their closing statement. Uh, actors will imagine themselves getting on the stage and receiving an Oscar. Like, a lot of people do it. We're just talking about it in different ways and using different languages. And it's funny, like Tom is actually deep down very spiritual and, you know, does a lot of this stuff himself, but he just talks about it in a very practical manner. Whereas I talk about it in a, you know, kind of more you know, spiritual manner and it just people resonate with different, I think that's maybe the male energy versus the female energy perhaps, but you're talking my energy. So it, it's interesting. People are different and some people find it, baloney and to woo woo and kumbaya whereas other people are like oh my god i eat this stuff for breakfast yeah yeah and it's like you can never like enforce your beliefs on anyone but it's just like you're missing out i feel like if you don't because i feel like it's the pessimistic way to look at life if you don't believe in any of that and like you just think everything's random and there's no point to anything and like the way i see the world and the way i act and think doesn't really 
affect anything. I feel like thoughts, feelings, actions, you know, if you, they're all positively aligned, like you're not, it's not about burying your head in the sand and living a fake life and fake it till you make it. It's about doing that uncomfortable work to see what you've negative programs are there and and removing them and shifting them and keeping there what serves you and, and then seeing how that impacts your thoughts. And when you change your thoughts, your feelings immediately shift, you're stronger, more confident, more resilient, and it then organically flows out in your actions. 100%. Um, And I want to ask you something, because I know something you're quite passionate about and you do speak about quite a bit is mental health. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you as someone who's seen as this role model and an expert figure to so many people. Does, how do you deal with the pressure of that? Because no one that is in positions like yourself, we're not put, no one's perfect. We all make bad decisions. I'm sure you've made bad decisions yeah. with money in your past. How do you handle that pressure to, to show up like that to so many people when at the end of the day, you're just a human being like everyone else? I try and own it. You know, if someone bumps into me in the street and starts talking to me, and ask me questions. I'm very open and transparent. And look, I have my Sugar Mama account, which is, you know, my books and this all about finance and goals and motivation, inspiration. But then I also have this other side of my life, which I share very openly at Canna Campbell Official on Instagram. And that's me getting frustrated at my three children. And, uh, you know, for example, yesterday, my son decided to tell me last minute he had a project due last week and that it needed to be done this morning. And so we're making a mango, a cake, look, trying to make it look like a mango. It looks like a complete mess. My dogs are chewing everything. My three year and a half year olds having a complete meltdown tantrum. They're, like I, I'm very open and transparent. I don't hide anything. Someone can walk up to me in the street and ask me anything. I'll tell them exactly what's going on in my life. I don't hide it. I don't have enough space in my brain to try and keep up some facade. I'll tell people I'm tired. I'll tell people I'm run down or feeling a bit burnt out. I'll tell people I'm frustrated. Like I don't, I just don't want to. I, and if I put off this like, oh yeah, I'm like perfect. And I have, you know, Tom's my third partner. Like I, I've been married twice before. Like I, I, like I, there are parts of my life I don't have, I haven't done great and I have made bad decisions. Um, but I'm human. I don't hide it. I own it with transparency and I'm on a journey myself. Like I'm on the wealth creation journey. I'm, I'm on a personal growth journey all the time. I'm on a spiritual journey all the time. I'm constantly trying to be the best parent I possibly can for my kids, but stuffing up at the same time as well. And I'm human. And I, I, I just, I'm not going to try and be this like angelic, like martyr. Has there been any moments along your journey, like big light bulb moments where something's happened and you've had a lesson and you've realized something and then it's made it easier for you to like, the way you speak about it now, just being open and letting everything flow and understanding and having empathy for yourself that you are on this journey and you're going to be great at some things, not so great at others. Are there any moments that you can think of or speak to that you realize something and it helped you and could maybe help others with their own journey with that sort of stuff? I think there have been multiple times in my life, like, uh, you know, I, st- I see a psychologist on a regular basis um, to help me function um, and to help me understand and, and to see the messages and the wisdom and where I need to grow. And I'm, I'm really open about that. Um, I think the, my biggest aha moment was in my career path with Sugar Mama and, and seeing how much I help. And I get these amazing messages from people from around the world saying, because of you, I was able to escape a financially abusive relationship. Um, because of you, I was able to save a hundred thousand dollars. I'm now buying my first property. You know, because of you, I'm able to get out of like eighty thousand dollars with credit card debt. Like that to me is like I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. So it, it's been there's it happens to me all the time. It, it's not I couldn't really define it as one exact precise moment, but you know I I'm I'm constantly open and growing and and looking for ways of becoming a better person of greater value to people around me all the time. It it sounds like as well, what you're saying, and this can be another term that can like guys can hear and be like, Oh, that's too wishy washy. It's too like, but for females talk about this a lot, but I'm, I'm guys and the people that not that guys aren't as spiritually aware, but I feel like they're slowly becoming more aware, but sounds like what you're talking about. And this is something I've had experience with in my life is just when you becoming more and more in alignment with who you are and what you should be spending your time on. I feel like that's when things start getting better. And like, sometimes those things are realizing that chasing the money down this way isn't, isn't the right thing to do. But when you can just like the problems that happen in your life, they're not like mistakes that you should beat yourself up about. 
to me, they're like redirections. And as you can like, if you follow something and it feels good and great things happen, then you start working more in alignment with yourself. And then you try other things and you maybe go a little bit askew. Then I feel like that's just life pushing you down your path to work in alignment. The more that we can do that, I think it's, and then it helps us get out of our own way. And once we get out of our own way, we're out of our own head. Some of these really good things can happen to us. Now I'm conscious. We've got a few more minutes. I want to, I want to ask you a couple more questions. I'll pick some of my, my ones. I really want to ask you just kind of about the financial space and get a couple questions in. Now you mentioned one that I was like, okay, that's a really good point that a lot of people um, out there would, would be dealing with right now. If someone comes to you, whether it be in an official basis as a financial planner or just generally when people have got quite a bit of debt racked up credit cards, maybe car loans, things like that. How do people start like crafting a plan to, to get out of that, to get debt free? So it starts with a goal first, set the goal of to be debt free by the 1st of December, 2023, like give yourself a deadline of goal to be debt free. Then you go look and look at your budget and look at what is, what repayment plans can you get in place as much as you can afford that will actually tackle that goal directly. And then start thinking outside of the square as to what you can do to make that debt be paid off sooner. You want to try and beat that deadline and leave no stone unturned, which was the saying I was trying to say before. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, look at things you can declutter, things you can do on the weekend to earn some extra money. Perhaps you can look at a pay rise or a promotion. Perhaps it's time to change jobs and change career paths because obviously most people, that's when they get the proper decent pay rise when they change companies. So really look to have a goal and go hard on that goal and really focus as to what you can do. And then once you're debt free and got that car loan paid off, or that credit card debt paid off, build up emergency money so you never get yourself back in that position again. Then when you've done that, start investing. Start looking at your situation and go, all right, what do I want out of life? Do I want financial freedom? What sort of goals do I have around financial freedom? Is it to build up a long-term passive income stream like Canna? Is it to build up a certain amount of my investment portfolio for capital growth so I can then go and use that money to buy a house? Perhaps you want to have a growing property portfolio with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten investment properties all paying you rent. Look at what resonates with you and then go for it. But don't just stop once you've paid off that credit card or that car. Go on to the next stage. Like raise your benchmark, keep growing, work on evolving and becoming truly and authentically financially free. Create financial harmony in your life. Last question, we'll wrap this up. Now, it's it's a bit of a cliche one. I wasn't going to ask it to you, but it just hearing you talk about your own journey and reflection financially in different areas of your life. If you had to give a piece of advice to like a young Akana, what, what do you think that would be? Oh my God. Do we have all day? There is so much advice and things. Don't do that. Don't buy that. Uh, don't say yes to this person. Um, it would be, well, it depends on what capacity. Do you want me to do financial advice then? Go one of each. All right. One of each. One would be, financially would be to start growing your passive income stream earlier in life. When I first got into the financial world, my goal was very much wealth. I was all about having my gross or net worth figure at X million dollars. Now that's great. Don't get me wrong. But when I changed my goal to being having this much passive income in my life, that was game changing because yes, having been worth X millions of dollars is brilliant and great, but it is a little bit soulless. There's not the depth behind it. But when you go, okay, well, I'm going to build up a passive income stream of say $500,000 a year or $200,000 a year. That's game changing for my mindset because I'm like, well, that means I don't have to work if I don't want to. And that means I can go on two international holidays, flying business class, staying in a luxury hotel, shopping, lapping up all these luxurious experiences, as well as all sorts of culturally rich experiences with my family and friends in tow. And we can all afford great quality healthcare and food. That, to me, that number of, of passive income, which is a sustainable passive income that I never have to physically work because it's truly passive and growing as well, keeping up with inflation, exceeding it. That to me really just reinvigorated my passion for life spiritually. So I think I started my spiritual journey at a very, very young age. Um, I used to think I was a witch as a little girl. And I think I think there's a lot of trauma behind that, but I used to have this like creative world where I was a witch and I could create things and make things happen. And that's where I think I really found that safe element and protection in manifestation work. And then it grew from there. And I did a couple of, went to a couple of courses on mindset 
And then obviously I, I like I remember I bought the Dr. Maxwell Waltz, I think it was back to yep. something. I had to buy the cassettes. I had to spend like basically a week's worth old of pay. School, yeah. Really old school cassettes. Can you imagine? And so I listened to that and it was so much about mindset. So I've been on this path for a really long time. Um, and I wish I had cut, uh, cut a more toxic people earlier in life and put bigger and better boundaries because I tend to be probably too forgiving and too nice and I've I've let people wound me, which I should never have let happen. Yeah, beautiful message, that last one. So important. We all, all could do more of that in our lives. Now, I want to wrap up. Where's the best place? people to find you any more info on yourself sugar mama where's the best place people can can come find you so my website got hacked during frugal february so it is in the process of being built so it is temporarily down um best and fastest place is instagram because that's my phone it's in my hand or my pocket at all times so if you dm me you're not getting staff you're getting me messaging you back so through canna campbell official and instagram on instagram and then obviously sugar mama tv i've got two podcasts how do they afford that which goes up every wednesday morning with the guys from fear and greed and then Sugar Mama's Fireplay, which is Monday morning, which is just me. And I, I, it's me, but then I also interview people who've done amazing things financially, like, you know, got out of huge amounts of credit card debt, uh, reinvented themselves, uh, completely changed their, their destiny. And it's a lot of mindset stuff, but also it's a lot of practical stuff, like how to do, understand your superannuation, how to make sure your super is set up correctly uh, how to protect yourself, um, how to invest, how to grow passive incomes. And there's lots of practical stuff, but then there's a, a lot of mindset stuff. Yeah. I love it. And that you need, you need equal amounts of both. You know what yeah. I mean? Like pra- you need the mindset first to transform. And now I'm at the place, give me all the practical stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> I really want to start executing on all this stuff, but you got to run. Thanks again. Uh, thanks so much. And I'm excited to, to watch everything else you do and get a little bit more, like I said, into your, in your content, into your books as well and see what that could do for me. And around me thank you for inviting me and it's so great to connect with you sure thanks again all right guys thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it do yourself a favor do me a favor do your friends a favor and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us thanks again and i'll see you next time